On today's Locked On Texans podcast, more takeaways from the Falcons game and what's really going on with the Houston Texans rushing attack. Cody and I will talk about all of that on today's podcast. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, 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 Texans fans across the world, across the country, and especially here in the city of Houston to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texans podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your Texans football analyst, John, some sports guy, Hickman, and of course, joining me as always is Sports Illustrator's own Houston Texans credentialed media member, Cody Davis, if you are new to the Locked On Texas podcast, be sure to subscribe, like, and comment wherever you get your podcast. And this episode of the Locked On Texas podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use use promo code. Excuse me, Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What's going on with the Russian attack? Well, Cody and I will talk about that. C.J. Stroud record-setting performance and the offensive line. But first, we start with more takeaways uh, versus the Falcons. Yeah, and I want to get things started looking at the wide receiving court once again. Um, John, listeners and viewers, as you guys know, um, I was kind of disappointed in the production of the wide receiving court. As I mentioned, ever since training camp, This is a team that needs a wide receiver to step up as WR1 every single game. And that was going to be Tank Dale, but unfortunately, he went down with a concussion. By the way, we spoke to um, Coach D'Amico Ryans on Monday, and he said that there were no further updates on Tank Dale. So, of course, the biggest thing will be whether or not he's going to practice Sunday, Wednesday, when the Texans begin their week six preparations against the New Orleans Saints. But Nico Collins could not get open. The Atlanta Falcons did a really good job in containing him. And Robert Woods, not only did he have a subpar performance, but at the same time, he was dealing with a rib injury. So when I look at more takeaways from the Falcons, John, I'm going to just go ahead on and say it. I wish we would have gotten more of John Mechie. Understand it. I get it. I have been on board in giving John Mechie the appropriate amount of time to make sure that he is ready to go, not only for this upcoming season, but to be the guy that we drafted him to be a year ago. And we already understand his story. However, he only had two targets, two catches for 20 yards and only played 25 snaps and Sunday loss against the Atlanta Falcons. And look, I'm going to be real with you. I don't know if it was because of Bobby Slowey's game plan or maybe they wanted to utilize John Mechie more and the read wasn't there. So C.J. Stroud couldn't really deliver the ball to him. But when I take a look at the issues with that wide receiving core on Sundays, I'm looking at John Mechie and thinking to myself, okay, this should have been the start of a breakout performance for Mechie because even though we haven't gotten a lot of John Mechie, I do feel we are. it's only a matter of time before John Mechie have that breakout game where he is definitely going to establish himself as not only one of the most reliable wide receivers, but also a cornerstone for this Texans organization moving forward. You know, we talked about uh, – you just talked about, excuse me, uh, the wide receivers basically not getting open. And Monday's show, I talked about, hey, like CJ, 
you got to find more opportunities for Nico Collins. Uh, Bobby Slowick, you got to find ways to make sure that you get the ball in Nico Collins' hands, who has been by far your best receiver and offensive playmaker, not named C.J. Stroud. And, and on several occasions, when you go back and watch that game, C.J. Stroud broke out of the pocket and continued to keep his eyes downfield, try to make that play downfield. It's something that through the course of the first four weeks, at times he's been able to be successful with that. Going into this game, this was probably the best defense the Houston Texans have played so far. So here's an interesting tidbit. Shout out to uh, Texans Cap, who put this out on Twitter. And I love these type of advanced stats. Uh, press coverage rate for the first four weeks on Nico Collins, 21%. Week five against the Atlanta Falcons, nearly 69% was the amount of times, of 69% of snaps, the amount of times that he saw a press rate uh, a cornerback playing press on him. And not only for Nico Collins, but I think that was the game plan for the Houston Texans. Uh, for Arthur Smith and that def defense out in Atlanta, that was their game plan, looking at how can we limit their wide receivers um, getting open. And for Houston, they've been a very good yak team. You look at what uh, Tank Dell has been able to do with Nico Collins, who has led the league, I believe, in yak yards. They've been able to get the ball in space and take off. And so for the Atlanta Falcons, they made it very difficult for their wide receivers to get any a bit of separation, I think, throughout the entire course of the game. And then with Tank Dale going down, I think that threw a wrench in the Houston Texans' plan as well. Oh. Also, this is something that I wanted to talk about, more takeaways for uh, to kind of set us up for the rushing attack. Through five weeks, the Houston Texans ranked fourth in the NFL on rushing attempts on first down with 60. On those first down attempts, the Texans are 29th in the NFL in success rate, sitting at 25%. So that's I'm putting that out there right now because I want to look at that on what's going on with the rushing attack. Also, another takeaway from what Houston has been able to do throughout the course of the year compared to what they were not doing on Sunday, and shout out to my man John Crumpler for the Houston Texans. Their best package has been their 11 personnel group. Uh, Nico Collins, Tank Dale, Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, their tight end, and Damian Pierce in the backfield. Bobby Sloick only runs the ball nearly 22% of the time from that formation, which is 31st in the NFL. So you're looking at a, an offensive coordinator who you got them putting right here. This is, this is, this is, this is your bread and butter. This is, has this formation has allowed you to be successful because you have your best playmakers out on the field. Nico Tank, Woods, uh, Dalton Schultz, your number one tight end, and Damian Pierce, who Houston has used as their number one running back. CJ Stroud has been successful in getting them the, the ball. However, you haven't, as an offensive coordinator and play caller, you haven't utilized your advantage uh, as much as you should have. So, you look at Houston and the questions of what's going on with the offense on Sunday and how can they move forward. I think it's just doing what you do well, wow. putting the players out on the field uh, consistently that can go out there and make plays. And we can't say that they're not the playmakers for this team when through five weeks we've seen Nico Collins have two big games. We've seen a big game and a good game from Tank Dell. Sunday we had opportunity to see – Dalton Schultz get more involved. Noah Brown, Noah Brown, excuse me. Robert Woods has been a comfort blanket blanket 
for C.J. Stroud and this offense. And, and of course, Damian Pierce, he's the lead man in terms of attempts and receiving re- receiving yards out of the backfield. You got to make sure that if that's your bread and butter, if that's what's getting you the money, they continue to do it and do it correctly. So I, I think that's something that Houston needs to look at when they go back and watch film, especially from Sunday's matchup, because they played a very good defense in Atlanta. They're going to have another one coming up in the uh, Atlanta. No, 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 not not Atlanta, the New Orleans Saints. And they're going to have to make sure that they emphasize getting their playmakers out on the field. I do like the take about John Mechie. I do believe that the taking the slow process is starting to wear off simply because now you're getting the opportunity to get those snaps. I'm not mad at the 25 snaps. I'm not mad at 27, honestly, guys. But I do think with how this wide receiver core is kind of set up right now, Maybe some uncertainty around Tankdale on whether or not he's going to play Sunday. He's been clearly Houston's wide receiver, too. Uh-huh. For Houston, they got to find a way to get a very talented receiver involved. Well, they might have a very talented receiver coming back because this is the week that Noah Brown is supposed to be coming off of IR. Now, we still never got word on what he was injured with or whatever the case might be, but um, do not be surprised once you start seeing Noah Brown Noah Brown's name throughout the rest of this week being thrown around, especially considering, look, Tank Dale went down with a concussion. I'm pretty sure it's highly unlikely that he will be suiting up Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next event. Game time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all of the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Also with last minute ticket deals, all in prices, views from your seats. So, you know, how it's going to look once you sit down and their best price guarantee game time takes the guesswork away from buying tickets. So now you can stress less and then make sure that you're enjoying your time at your event. And also listen, listen to this 18% savings is an average of what you're going to be saving whenever you pick game time over the competitors game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And listen, if you find tickets, in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% for the difference. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L O C K E D O N N F L, Locked On NFL for $20 off. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Tuesday installment of Locked On Texans. I do want to apologize. Had a technical difficulty going on with my mic, but as you guys can hear, I am back. So with that being said, let's move forward with our next topic and talk about C.J. Stroud because five games into his NFL career, C.J. Stroud has yet to throw an interception. And Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, he had an opportunity to set his first or possibly many records in the NFL by becoming the first quarterback to throw over 176 attempts without an interception. And I know some people might look at that record and think to themselves that that doesn't mean anything, but kudos to CJ Stroud, man. Five games into his NFL career, he has really looked good. But I do want to mention this. The last guy who had this record was Dak Prescott. And I do hope that this record that CJ has 
is a testament and a preview that CJ is going to be a quarterback who can actually take care of the football, unlike what we have been seeing in Dallas, possibly ever since he threw his very first interception. But this isn't locked on Cowboys. This is locked on Texans. And look, we're going to keep this, this conversation on CJ. But John, almost every single week, we come on this show and we rave about CJ and rightfully so. So, And I think without a shadow of a doubt, by the end of the year, um, as long as he stay healthy, he will take the helm as the offensive rookie of the year. However, I do want to give kudos where, where, where kudos is deserved. And that is when you take a look at this offensive line. I know the first two games, it's, it was really, really shaky. We talk about it every single week. However, Ever since their week three contest against the Jacksonville Jaguars, that offensive line has looked really, really good. And I understand some people might have been upset seeing Titus Howard play left guard. However, inserting Titus Howard, and of course, bringing back your best offensive lineman, Laramie Tunsil, you saw that offensive line is really starting to continue to trend in the right direction. And when you take a look at the production of C.J. Stroud, this offensive line is part of the reason why he had an opportunity to go out there and not just have a great start to his career, but to have this record. And I do want to mention this. I know there's been a couple of attempts where it could have been picked off, especially Sunday against the Falcons. But at the same time, CJ, kudos to you, man. You deserve it. Yeah, and I think what CJ is doing is way more impressive than what Dak Prescott was doing because Dak had a uh, stout offensive line. Dak also mm -hmm. had – the young version of Ezekiel Elliott. Dak also oh, had uh, playmakers, um, real number one receivers. No disrespect to the Texans, but, I mean, at that time, Dak had – was it Amari Cooper? Yeah, he still had Amari Cooper. Um, Des Bryant was still up too, right? I can't remember. I but think that might have been his last year, if, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, Dak had everything set up for him. Like, And what CJ is able to do um, with the makeshift offensive line – um, not necessarily having a true number one going into the season and also the expectations of being this team starter right off the bat. If you guys remember, mm -hmm. it wasn't until Romo got injured against the Seattle Seahawks, I believe, when Dak was put in the game, and I think that was during preseason. Mm -hmm. The entire – since we drafted C.J., we've known he's going to be the number one quarterback heading in. So I love what C.J. has been doing. Very impressive, and I love that he continues to find ways to – you know, not make the same mistakes and man, and have some of these turnover issues, unlike Dakota Prescott. But <laughs> when looking at those two, and again, I'm going back to saying why CJ's has been more impressive. The offensive line Dak had compared to the offensive line that CJ has been put out there. It seems like every week there's been a different combination. I think outside of week three and four, maybe it was the same. Yeah, those are only two weeks. Only two same. weeks. But since preseason, it's been an up and down here for the Houston Texans offensive line. But for the last three weeks, after starting this season off with 11 sacks, they've given up zero goose egg, three games in a row. And what I wanted to say about that is they are doing what they need to do to protect their quarterback. Mm -hmm. They are doing what this offense and the offensive identity should look like, allowing your quarterback the opportunity and time in the pocket to get the ball out to his playmakers. Maybe you can take a couple of shots downfield or in, a or in the intermediate game. Their offensive line for Houston has played phenomenally well in terms of protecting the quarterback. There's been breakdowns here and there, just like every other offensive line in the NFL. Um, but for the most part, through the course of the first two weeks, Houston had the worst or one of, in the group of, the worst 
offensive line in the league. Now, three weeks later, you can still pull away and, and have you know criticism, but they haven't given up a sack. The issue with the offensive line right now, I think, is not consistently getting to the second level when they're run blocking. The initial contact, I think, has gotten better for Houston at the line of scrimmage. Um, but once it goes past that, I see offense, excuse me, I see the linebackers for opposing teams have the opportunity to make plays because nobody's really getting a hat. And I think a hat on the uh, defender and also don't like the energy that Dalton Schultz has showed at times. I, I can't be the only one that has seen that out on the field where perfect example. And I still put this on the uh, running back, but during that screenplay last week, I believe when Damian Pierce had an opportunity to maybe cut back and score a touchdown, which he still had that opportunity, Dalton Schultz didn't really put a hand on nobody. And the guy that made a tackle was a guy that if Dalton Schultz put his hand on, you know, he's not in the play. Uh, there's been times where off the line of scrimmage, I'm not necessarily seeing too much of an effort. Maybe sometimes when he's even running his routes, I'm not seeing as much effort. But overall, for the offensive line, they have to do a better job and continue to improve with the run blocking when it comes to getting to the next level. They got some things to work on. Uh, we're still seeing guys, you know, seep through the offensive line and get to the backfield before the running back has an opportunity to touch the ball. But I think can we grade the O line a B right now between a B or a B plus simply because to go from eleven through the course of two weeks on pace to break Darius Car David Carr record three in a row three I mean that counts for something. These guys have been playing some good football. You got to credit uh, Coach Strauser. Got to credit Bobby Slower through the first three weeks, the last three weeks, especially the two weeks and back-to-back wins for how he has helped that offensive line uh, up front with how he scheme plays. But B-plus right now through five weeks, I think that's fair, all things considered. I agree, a B-plus, but I'm now getting intrigued with this offensive line because, John, I'm going to ask you this question. I want your honest opinion. Should they continue keeping Titus Howell at left guard? No. And and, 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 and I know you no. said no, but five games into the season, and I know Titus Howell and Larry McTunsell uh, has been hurt, but George Fan has been their best graded offensive lineman. This is a young man. Pass protection, 70. Run blocking, 65.8. George Fan has played really well. To start this season and I, I look at it from a standpoint I can see matter of fact I wouldn't be surprised if they keep Titus Howard at left guard for the rest of the season only because they really don't have nobody else to play that position and you can't move him to right tackle and, and put George Fant at, no, yeah, at left you guard. can't do that you can't, you can't do, that. do that and I understand no. you got Josh Jones but Josh can't Jones no, 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 he wasn't he was terrible at guard. Yeah. <laughs> he was terrible at guard he was better <clears throat> at left tackle he wasn't even that much better at that so I I just think the injuries to I'm gonna just call them the Green brothers at this point Kenyon Green and 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 Kendra Green um it's got it's going to force Titus Howard maybe to play left guard because I just don't see nobody else that could come in and and, and um, no avoid at that position. So, but what? But 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 we we you know we talk about Noah Brown coming back this week, guys. You know who else comes back? Juice Scruggs. And so I, I get the we we talk about well, you can't move Jared Patterson or between Juice and Jared, 
Mm-hmm. For Houston, figure that out. Center left guard position moving forward. Because, number one, I'm not paying you a bunch of money, Titus Howard, to play left guard. No. Number two, what move makes more sense for us to get this run game going? We're going to talk about the rushing attack. What move makes more sense, right? Leaving Titus Howard at left guard. Now, granted, between him and Larry Tunsil, no pressures, no sacks, no QB hits allowed, according to advanced stats from Sunday's matchup. So that's great. But the better runs of the day came from the right side of the offensive line. It's not balanced. So if I could put Titus back at right tackle, him and Shaq Mason, I just need to figure out, Jared, you, you play great for us. Can you slide down the left guard so we can bring Juice back in because I think Juice is a better center? Or Juice, can you step in and play some left guard forwards? Now, which makes more sense to help move – the the run help improve the run game and i really do believe that's the combination of juice and uh jared patterson at left guard and center and moving titus howard back to right tackle and by the way i mean this may sound bad but houston sustaining these injuries i really think this is a blessing in disguise for him because when you go through your offseason program next year you're figuring out hey you know what through five games george family to bring you back you can be a great insurance policy for us through what, however many games, Kendrick Green, we got to bring you back. When you was on the field, you was a great insurance policy for us, right? And 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 and, and that's something to look at. But if you want to win games right now, they're not going to win. They've shown that they still want to run the ball. Who's going to help you in that area whenever you need a successful run without being so predictable? And I do think that's the combination of the two rookies and left guard and center moving Titus Howard back to right tackle. Mm, I say keep it as it is as of right now because Jerry Patterson, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's like top 25 in pass protection, and that's your starting center. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at the numbers, so I don't know how much experience he has at left guard in college. Um, I understand you drafted Juice Scrubs to be your center. He was projected to be the starting center um, following the injury to Scott Quisenberry. However, Unfortunately, he went down with an injury. So this is kind of like a missed opportunity for him. And, John, you just alluded to it. As of right now, your best percentages of the rushing attack has come from the right side, who has been on that right side next to Shaq Mason, George Fink. And I, it's it's a, it's one of those bad but good situations to have. Because to your point, John, yes, all these injuries have shown that the Texans actually have depth at a lot of these positions. The offensive line is something that I was concerned about throughout training camp, throughout OTAs, throughout mandatory meeting camp. Remember that conversation? But I just look at the offensive line and just look at everything that they have been able to develop since we, since week three. Continuity, chemistry, adding not one but two of your top offensive linemen, even though one of them is in a way playing out of position. I just think you keep the O-line as it is when you take a look at Juice Scrubs. Maybe you can now go back to the original plan, which, which was to have him sit behind somebody and, and learn from afar. So I, I, I just don't want to see them go through another major change with this offensive line. And then here you are going up against the New Orleans Saints with um, Cam Jordan on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage, dominating because you have, one, you have a guy that hasn't played a lot 
i.e. Juice Bros. And two, and most importantly, you got a guy in Titus Howell, even though without a shadow of a doubt, he is your second best offensive lineman. He is still trying to work himself back into shape. According according to PFF right now on the year, the Houston Texans, when rushing towards the left guard side, have only rushed for roughly 25 yards. What about the right side? Way more. And who's on the right side? Just Shaq Mason and them. But what I'm getting at is you got to find a way to improve being able to run towards both sides of the ball effectively. And if yeah, not, I, I agree with that. So who helps Who helps this team out in that sense? Uh, do we think Titus Howard is can do the same thing, if not better than George Fant? Absolutely. Yeah, but once again, so what are you going to do with George Fant, though? Because here's the thing. Here's the hey, thing. Okay, we're going to make a business decision, and thank you for your services. We want to bring you back, and hopefully nothing else happens moving forward. But we need to put our best player at this position out on the field. But you can't just throw juice in there, especially against the Saints, because first and foremost, he hasn't played since what preseason. Okay, so what are we ever going? What are we going to throw him out there? Then we're going to keep waiting. I mean, we have a bye week coming up. Maybe you look at the bye week to get him more ramped in. So that's you know after the Saints, maybe that's a good plan. I'm not mad at that. I guess what I'm getting at eventually, Titus Howard needs to move away from left guard and go back to his best position at right tackle, a position that they're paying you to play. You're right, but. In the words of D'Amico Rice, don't shoot the messenger. In the words of D'Amico Rice, they're going to put their best five offensive linemen out there. And what did we see on Sunday? And possibly the same thing against the New Orleans Saints. Titus Howard, Laramie Tunsil, Justin Patterson, Shaq Mason, and George Fant. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, right now. New customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. BET, man, listen, $200 in bonus bets back, win or lose. All you got to do is put $5 now, you're winning. And if you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is super easy to use, first and foremost. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season the right way right now through week five, going into week six. We got we had Monday Night Football. You're missing out on money. You're sitting at home anyhow. You're thinking to myself, maybe I'll bet today. Maybe I'll bet tomorrow. No, do it right now with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Welcome back in, Locked On Texas fans, listeners, viewers, all of the above. Thank you guys again for checking us out as you guys do. This is our Tuesday episode. And this Tuesday, we're going to look at Toting the Rock. We're going to look at the lack of success Houston has had in Toting the Rock from a running back position. I gave you guys a number earlier, how many times Houston rushes out of on first downs and how unsuccessful they are. And we can point to the maybe lack of creativity in the run game, you know, play calling right now. I, I saw Bobby Slug try his hardest to get Tank Dale involved to help that out. I'm not mad at that. Honestly, we know what Tank Dale could do in the open field. So I'm not going to necessarily, you know, call him out on that. You got to find a way to get your playmakers involved to make plays. But the conversation right now, I think behind closed doors, and you know, now we can go look at Twitter, we can look at phone calls, the text messages. 
I think the phone, the, 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 the conversation right now, excuse me, is what's going on with the rushing attack? More so, what's going on with Damian Pierce? Brandon K. Scott, a good friend of the show, wrote a very mm-hmm. good article uh, that you guys need to check out. You can find it on the Twitter page at Brandon K. Scott, of course. Um, but I think what's going on with Damian Pierce right now is I don't want to I don't want to necessarily say he's regressed in a sense because he's still running the same. I think he's he still looks fresh. I think he still looks aggressive how he looked before. What's what's happening, what I'm seeing is the lack of taking advantage of opportunities. So I think I did on Monday's show, but if not, I look at the play where <clears throat> It looks like it was an awkward exchange between CJ and Damian Pierce. And from there, Damian Pierce had an opportunity to cut out right to pick up some yards. And with his speed and how he can take angles, that could have possibly been a 10, 15-plus yard play. But instead, he cuts back into the um, the linebackers. And that's a head-scratcher. Go back a couple of weeks ago where – uh, he did a very good job on the screenplay. And I thought to myself, wow, Damien, if you don't cut left, if you just continue to run right, and of course, Dalton Schultz, you can put a hand on somebody, but if you continue to run right, with you running at a head of steam, you may be able to score this touchdown. And what I don't want to take away from Damien appears, because we haven't had an opportunity to see it as much, is when he gets to the second and third level, that's where you see Damian Pierce's value as a runner because it can become like making a business decision. I've seen guys, once Derrick Henry gets to that second and third level, they just, they just you know what, I got to make a business decision. I got to live to play another drive. So I may just try to go at his legs or maybe try to kindly push him out of bounds. I don't know, but I'm not getting hit with the stiff arm or the run through. When you see Damian Pierce get to that second level, when he gets ahead of steam, you see his value for this offense. But you haven't seen that consistently this year because of the lack of opportunities that Damian Pierce is not taking advantages of. They're there. We can criticize the offensive line and them not being able to successfully get a hat on, uh, get a hand on somebody at the second level, right? But when those opportunities are there, a coach once told me, if you're not getting it a lot, you got to get it when you can. And when they're there, I don't see Damian Pierce taking advantage of those opportunities. Also, I think what's going on with the Russian attack coming out of the out of the game, there had to be when you look at the five reasons what you could have done differently on offense. I'm starting to think to myself, yeah, I think we need to see way more of Devin Singletary. I gave you the guys the numbers on Monday show. Um 24 carries for Devin Singletary compared to 84. 2.9 yards per carry for Damian Pierce compared to 3.5 yards per carry for Devin Singletary. And this is coming after a game with no carries at all. That's unacceptable. Honestly, as a player, through five weeks, if I'm Devin Singletary, I'm asking for a trade. You know, honestly, you, you guys are not using me. There's ways that I could be utilized to really help this offense, but I'm not getting an opportunity to do so. So if not, why why am I here? But I do think Houston needs to take much more um, Bobby Slork in this offense accountability for some of the hard-headedness, I believe, of trying to force a run or a play when it's not there from a player. And they have to look at themselves and say, we got to get Devin Singletary on the field because 
he has shown may have not been for much, but I'll take 3.5 compared to 2.9. To be honest with you, John, I'm not sure if giving Devin Singletary more opportunities is the answer. I know you just gave the numbers and five games into the season. He has been the better running back, the more efficient running back. However, I just truly believe that Damian Pierce is just going through the struggles of a sophomore slump. And when we go back, uh, and again, guys, I encourage you guys to check out Brandon K. Scott's article. It's on the crime right now. Uh, he made a good point. Last year, Damian Pierce averaged 2.3 yards after contact. This year, just 1.1. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I'm pointing to right now Damian Pierce just not Taking advantage of those opportunities that's coming, man. I, I I am questioning his vision right now. Guys, I am not questioning him as a person, as a human being, and I still think he needs to be a part of Houston's, you know, build run, right? I'm not questioning any of that. Still love Damian Pierce as a player. But I am questioning his vision right now. And I have been for a while. I thought that maybe he'd have an opportunity to – break through some of those uh bad attempts but that hasn't happened and so when you're not able to be effective as a runner north and south and you're not taking advantage of the opportunities that are presenting them presenting themselves maybe slim but they're there and it's cause for concern and so with cause for concern it would be a hard-headed decision for bobby slow to continue to run damian pierce out there if you're not finding creative ways to get him involved i love what they're doing with him in the screen by the way that's been the best version of damian pierce as a screen catcher and he has gotten better as a pass a pass catcher out of the backfield but it'd be ridiculous for them to run him out there for 20 more times 20 carries and not give Devin singletary not a one that's crazy thank you guys for checking out today's episode last two games 48 carries for damian pierce seven for Devin singletary make sure you guys you make sure you guys continue to check out the locked on texas on podcast wherever you get your podcast and on youtube uh follow us on twitter at locked on texas and give me a follow on twitter as well at john underscore hickman 12 and as always i'm your host cody m davis please remember to follow me on the artist formerly known at twitter at cody davis underscore 24 once again that's cody c-o-t-y d-a-v-i-s underscore 24 until next time ladies and gentlemen peace